Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back and we're waiting for Nate Zielinski to join us. I believe he's there. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing really well uh, for for somebody my advanced age, but we're <laughs> <laughs> we've been talking about my 25 years on radio that we're going to be celebrating in a couple of weeks, and of course you've been a big part of that. It's a good thing I started when I was 10, or I'd be old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I tell you, we keep talking about that because. You know, I uh, I still, you know, think of myself as a, a young person in the industry. But the other day, Guy and I had a gentleman get on the boat, and he had a young lady with him. And, you know, I couldn't tell if it, if it was a younger girlfriend or who this lady was. Um, and it was his daughter. And he showed me a picture. She was with me when she caught her first fish uh, at four years old. And uh, on this trip, it was 22 years later. That kind of reminded me that uh, I have officially been a, a fishing guide state for 22 years and i'll tell you t- time goes by fast terry but uh we're still here we're still doing what we love so uh all is well <laughs> yeah you're exactly right hey nate you know last week you started talking quite a bit about optics for firearms for big game hunting and i know you're going to continue that and my one lead into that i remember in the past and this goes back years if i was looking at a new big game rifle for deer or elk or something i'd have a budget and if i had to skimp on that budget a little bit I'd rather skimp on the rifle than the optics. They were that much more important. Is that still the day case with today's that optics? Is, that is still the truth. Now, I will say that optics have gotten drastically better. Um, even as short-term as six, seven years ago, um, you had to spend not a, a lot of money, but you had to spend quite a bit of money to really get into quality optics. Um, that is not as the case. I mean, you can really get into some unbelievable optics at a, at a very fair price, but at the end of the day, I would definitely match my price of my rifle to my optics and or more. I would say in most cases, uh, if I had a flat budget for, for a complete rifle setup, um, I'm honestly probably spending 60 to 70 percent of my optics and the remaining on my rifle so i definitely still spend a lot more on my optics uh but but you definitely can still get into great optics at an affordable price uh, to put it that way well you know and most modern day rifles shoot better than i do so it's more a question of getting it on target than than the quality of the firearm or the ammunition Absolutely, Terry. I couldn't agree more with that. Today's modern rifle at a great price. You can definitely. I mean, what what some of the factory stock guns are are doing today is what our custom rifles are doing 10, 15, 20 years ago. So it's great to be a hunter in today's, you know, capabilities of technology. So we're excited about that. That's what we kind of wanted to walk through. We get so many questions about this. And obviously, we're encouraging people to make their retail purchases now just with limited stock, limited availability, limited ammunition, everything like that. just harder to get nowadays so preparing for this fall is a big deal so we kind of wanted just to run through things i want to talk about some optics i want to do a quick little thing on bullets because after last week's show i had tons of messages on the entire rifle setup hey what caliber what bullet what this what that so we're just going to kind of continue that uh we had a lot more people asking last week we kind of wrapped up talking about in the world of optics you know in a nutshell without going too deep into it 
more magnification versus less is better. Uh, so we kind of talked about that. We talked about having a turret or a way to compensate for your bolt, bullet compensation. So you want to make sure that you can adjust for the drop rate of that bullet uh, when shooting at distance. And people hear this. And they're like, oh, we don't need a custom turret. We're not shooting far. And I don't care if you're shooting 100 yards or even, you know, 200 yards where you might have a four-inch drop. Um, you know, being able to compensate that and make a flawless shot um, is what we owe it to the animals. It's how we create success. It makes our entire experience better. The thing that I encourage hunters to never do is what we call holdover. I, I really discourage the hunter from saying, oh, you know, I think – you know, at this distance, my bullet drops 10 inches. So then they put their rifle on the animal, they put the optics on the animal, and then they say, okay, I think raising up this high, I think that's 10 inches. It is so hard, you know, even uh, a mule deer or an elk, these animals' bodies will change, you know, a very mature animal versus a less mature animal, um, you know, distance, all that kind of stuff. And so many hunters make just the slightest of errors and, you know, they miss the vitals by a hair. And even though they still might recover the animal, it's not as clean of and quick of a harvest as we owe it to these animals. So my goal when I talk to people and suggest a firearm optics, the whole kind of shooting assembly is, is to have that optic to where, you know, you can zero, there's no holdover. You adjust your, your optics and you make that shot and you hit absolutely 100% on target. Um, and that's, what's going to help you again, create more success. Um, so in a nutshell, nowadays, modern optics, you know, for an example, you can now get an optic that has a lot of magnification, but you still aren't too powerful on the low end. Back again, five, six years ago, when we had less optics, the, the big thing that you had to pick and choose was if you wanted higher magnification, you lost your low end magnification. So, you know, years ago, if you wanted a higher magnification, you had to start at a six power and go up to an 18 or a six to a 20. And nowadays you have low capabilities of still being a, a three by 18 or a three by 24 or a four and a half by 25. So nowadays you really want that wide range. So that's your goal in optics is a wider range where you can still dial it down for when you're in the timber, for when you have a very close shot, you want to make sure you can find that animal quickly, uh, get on target and prepare to take the shot. But you also, once you get on target, it's nice to have a lot of magnification to crank up. It just makes a, taking a, a more clean shot so much easier. And I talk about this all the time, but you know, Terry, you and I both grew up with like a three by nine or a two and a half by eight. So very low magnification and that even at a hundred yards, when you were nervous and you were shaking with that buck in your sights, your optics would come on and off the vitals because you were so nervous. When you can now crank up to 25 power, even when I'm shaking, I'm shaking in a two-inch window now because I have so much magnification. So it allows me to stay on point, stay on target, uh, and, and make that more clean shot that I'm looking for in the field. So step one more magnification. That is great. Number two, when mounting these optics, I, I saw it this week at the local retailers, guys were spending good money on great optics, whether that's a three, $400 optic or a eight, $900 optic or, or more. People were buying great optics. They had a great rifle and they were skimping on their mounts. So their rings, their bases, whatever system you're going to shoot, whether you're shooting a Picatinny reel or a Wade Weaver or whatever your rifle set up for, I was seeing this kind of, you know, 
situation there, and that's the other point, good mounts. So I shoot the highest quality rings and bases and mounts that I possibly can because at the end of the day, today's optics don't necessarily fail. Back in the day, our optics used to always change. Every time I went out hunting, I would take a practice shot and make sure I was still on point. But nowadays, the optics stay very true. What typically moves is the mount. When you're putting those mounts on, they're not all torqued to the same poundage. They're not all square. So as you hike around, as the rifle sits in an ATV or a vehicle in the case, you know, you get a little jostling around and that optic will actually move inside the bases. And that's what's causing the rifle to not be accurate. So having very high quality rings, bases, you know, that the entire mounting system, um, that is probably one of the biggest steps to having a rifle, not only that's accurate, but that stays accurate. And that's probably the biggest thing, because we've all had that situation where you dial it in, it's shooting great on paper, and then you take that shot in the field and you miss and you go shoot against the range and your rifle's off. And you're like, what happened? Again, when you have those higher quality optics of today's market, um, it's usually not the optic. It's usually the mounting system that wasn't mounted properly and didn't have high quality rings. So just another step two, get good quality rings, and that's really going to help you out. Step three, and this is kind of a quickie, but I always dial in at the elevation at which I'm shooting. So I hunt a lot of high country. So for me, lower elevation is that nine, ten thousand 10,000 feet. High elevation is you know 13,000 feet. So I am dialing in and zeroing my rifle at higher elevation. So I am seeking out rifle ranges at higher elevations, whether I'm shooting in Salida or Kobo, there is a, a, a lot of rifle ranges at higher elevations. There's a great one just outside of uh, hot sulfur Springs. So I'm dialing in my rifles at elevations where I know my bullet flight and all of that is set at elevation. And then when I'm using that turret, like we talk about, I'm shooting an MOA system. So I actually am, I'm building a dope sheet or a sheet that tells me what my bullet's doing and I set my elevation. So that's number three, just to make sure the entire system is accurate. And that's how you're going to start being able to, to really be more successful in the field and have confidence in your rifle when you're going out there. Now I have one quick question for you because this one plagued me in the past and this is goes back years and years, but if my mounts, my rings were loose or off, are you able to make that adjustment yourself in the field and then recite the rifle, or do you have to take it to somebody who really knows what they're doing? You know, if I would not stop a hunt for that situation. The biggest thing, almost all manufacturers make a small tool kit for mounting rifles. So I carry one in my truck from Vortex. So it has all of the tools that you need. It comes with a level. It comes with all your torques. So it's like a screwdriver, but you just set your torque. So like most of the rings that I'm shooting, I torque to 18 pounds. So I carry these little toolkits. They're $30, $40. Um, you can buy one, you know, at any retail, you can buy one at Amazon. You can walk people down the, the aisle at Jackson a couple weeks, Terry, and you can show them these torque tools, but buy yourself that small toolkit. Make sure you have a level with you. And if your something does become off, you know, get your gun set up. You could do it in the back of your truck, but get the rifle as squared up level as possible, throw a level on the optic, get it squared as possible, and you're going to go crisscross, almost like you're, you know, torquing down a tire or lugs on a, on a trailer. You know, so you go from one corner to the opposite corner to the opposite to the opposite, and you retorque that, that optic. And honestly, that's going to get you really close. You might not be as level and as perfect as you could inside of a good gunsmith or a, a good optic mounting station, but 
you're going to be good enough to still take a, a pretty long shot in the field uh, and become accurate. So absolutely. The biggest thing, though, is bring that torque because when you do it by hand, you know, one set for 20 pounds, one set for 15, and that's what gives that optic room to move around as the rifle goes off. So if all your torque settings are good, it's going to help you become far more accurate in the field. So grab yourself that little toolkit. Uh, I promise you, it's one of those things that hopefully you never need it, but if you do need it, you will very much be glad that you have it to, to save your hunt and, and pull off that hunt. All right, we got a, just a couple minutes left. What's going on in the fishing world? It's absolutely, Terry. So we kind of have a lot of things. Number one, some of our fisheries are starting to see a shad hatch. Pueblo has a great shad hatch. Your Eastern Plains, Bar, Sterling, Jumbo, all of those are seeing that shad hatch, which the fishing is still going, but you definitely now have competition for food so that that major spring, you know, unbelievable fishing and the fish are starving. Um, we're not necessarily seeing it go away. We're seeing those Eastern Plains where the anglers definitely have to We'll call it step up your game a little bit. You're going to have to put this a little more emphasis on, on, you know, catering the fish, bringing in some reaction bites, just going one step further to, to increase your odds. Um, Cherry Creek is just barely starting that shad for it. So I wouldn't say we're fully into it yet, but we're definitely seeing it. Um, Chatfield continues to be the fishery. Uh, that water got lowered on the shad spawn. So it, again, it prevented majority or a lot of the shad from spawning. Uh, so we have not seen that shad influence there yet. I, I drove the lake the other night, uh, just looking for him in the dark. I definitely saw a shad, so it's not like the, the fish are going to starve to death. We're going to have any sort of growth rate issues, but we are drastically down on that shad. So, so that fishery continues uh, to be fishing very well. We have not seen that that summer peak, unbelievable window uh, slow down. So, we're, you know, on my boat, I was at Chatfield most days last week. Uh, I think my a slower day was 109 fish. I think my best day was 165, 166. Uh, so, so we are having some unbelievable, you know high number catch right there, catching some good fish. Uh, so that one definitely continues. The other probably biggest change that we, I'd say we've seen, we are now seeing our pike get into full swing. So pike always go, it never slow, it never fades off, Terry. But, you know, it, after the fish post-spawn in May, they start their summer patterns in June, and they kind of bury in the weeds, and they're just not as out. The fish are still feeding, but they're fairly buried up. They're just hard to access in the weed beds. And I wouldn't say that June is your uh, peak month or a great month for pike in Colorado. We catch fish, but it's not gangbusters. In July is when we start seeing a damsel hatch. It starts pulling young rainbows to the surface. Uh, Colorado Partial Wildlife is doing some stocking, really activating the fish. And June or July is when we really start seeing kind of the, the pike bite increase and that usually takes us to about the third week of august just this last week we saw those pike really start to increase their activity so uh we're not by any means at the peak but we're definitely seeing that pike uh opportunity increase so i'm really excited about that so that's probably the biggest thing in the fishing industry or fishing you know world locally uh that we're definitely seeing a big change so if you've been struggling with pike the last couple of weeks uh get ready because it's starting to get better and it's only going to increase over the next two or three weeks so that's probably the biggest excitement that we have going on all right my friend we are out of time you got anything coming up this week you want to let us know about 
Joe Terry, the biggest thing I'd say is you can follow us on Facebook, follow us on our, our website, just tightlineoutdoors.com. Stay tuned. We have catch rate coming up in uh, two weeks. So mark your calendars for that Wednesday. Uh, it's been a ton of fun, so we're excited about that. Uh, more or less, just get out there, get get fishing, get prepared for the hunting season. Uh, and yeah, and a lot going on. And then this week is also the deadline for secondary draw. We should probably throw that out there. So for anybody taking part in a secondary draw by Colorado Parks and Wildlife, uh, that is going to be due this week. So so keep an eye out for the for the deadline of the secondary draw for for everybody out there putting their tags. All right, my friend. We will let you go, and we will talk to you next week. Talk to you soon. All right. Nate Zelensky, always great influence. Got a great fishing tip from a, one of our listeners who texted in. I'll give you that one right after the break on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. All right, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, the 104.3 The Fan. That song that just played and we bumpered in with is actually off the uh, Loneliness and Love EP by Wickstrom and Dobrith that we have released. And we have a new release coming out here, not that far into the future, too, we'll tell you about. But right now, let's go to the phones. And joining us from Jack's in Loveland is uh, Chelsea Mayorka. Did I say it right, Chelsea? Yes, you sure did. <laughs> All right. Hey, before we get started, we had a texter that uh, sent us a message, said they were fishing Douglas, which is a lake up here in our area, and they said it was really good for trout and walleye. They were trolling flashers. I assume that was for the trout and worm harnesses, or maybe they were doing them together. But anyway, it's just a good tip. You know, a lot of these smaller lakes get overlooked, and we get crowded places like Horsetooth and Boyd. You can get away on some of these smaller ones and have a great experience and... If you need some gear before you go, Jax is having just a tremendous sale right now, aren't they? Yeah, they sure are. They definitely are. We have a... All righty. We have some three-pack flicker shads. They're going to be 30% off. And also, there's tons of kids' poles that are on sale. Also, some great reels. Um, There's just a lot going on this weekend. Yeah, those those flicker shads. Give people the price for three-pack of flicker shads that you're selling them for right now. So right now they're going for seven forty nine. They're marked down from ten ninety nine. So that's a really good deal. And those Flicker Shad Berkeley are great lures. I got quite a few oh. in my tackle box. I was just going to say the same thing myself. That they compete with a lot of the eight to ten dollar crankbaits on the market at, at the regular price, and to be able to get Flicker Shads for you said seven forty nine. That's like. 250 a piece, you know, then you're not so afraid to pull it in the right place because if you lose one, it's not so bad. And they're a tremendous yeah. fish catching lure, really great on walleyes. That's a, a great price on that. Um, also, you told me you, uh, for the fly fishermen, you've got some really good prices on midge boxes. Is that right? Yes, we do. We have the Jackers, the Jack Super Duty midge boxes. You save $2 on them. So that's nice because they're only 10 bucks. So you get one for eight bucks. So that's a good. And deal. you mentioned, and you mentioned rods and reels. One of the reels you sell a lot of that I really believe in is the Fluger President. Do you have those in stock and on sale? We do. We got plenty in stock. They're uh, sixty nine ninety five, marked down from eighty dollars. So it's a really good deal. I love the Fluger reels as well. I have a couple on a couple of my poles. <laughs> 
Well, I'll tell you what, I have a number. I, I used to, they actually used to be one of my sponsors, and they sent me a bunch of the president reels. And I could have gotten from them, from both Fluger and Abu Garcia, I could have gotten the three, $400 reels, and I'd get one once in a while. But I always felt that was a disservice to the people who watch my television show because the average person wasn't going to buy that. And I fish tournaments with that Fluger President reel. It's a high ball bearing reel. It's not a reel that you're going to be throwing away at the end of the year. It'll last you years if you take care of it. And they function so well. Uh, for that price, they're just a tremendous upgrade, especially if somebody had bought a combo recently and maybe had a lesser reel on it that had just uh, didn't have good ball bearings. It was a great starter reel, but you wore it out in a year or two. That President, to me, is one of the best, one of the best buys out there. It sure is. I agree with you on that one, Terry. Now, are you guys pretty well stocked this year on fishing? You know, last year, stuff was hard to come by. Yes, we're actually so much more stocked than we were last year. It's great to see. I'm glad to see some of my favorite lures in, of course, like any fisherman. Now this, oh, yeah. Now, this sale is going on through the the 4th of July weekend. And, and yep. while you're there, you got the Cub Scouts doing something there. Yeah, we have the Cub Scouts making hot dogs, so be sure to snag by, get a hot dog, make a little donation towards them to keep them going outside. It sure That's helps awesome. them out. Well, it does, you know, and they don't, I don't think they set a price for it. They're free, but they, they appreciate a donation. Is that how they do it? Yep. That's exactly how they do it. That sounds so, awesome. Any other great, any other great buys for the outdoor enthusiasts you want to tell us about? Um, I know there's a couple paddle boards that we have on 40% off, uh, which is a screaming deal, which is almost half price. Some of those guys are 800 bucks, half priced off. So I know there's the Oceana. There's a couple other ones I spaced the name out on. <laughs> no, you're at the Jack, you're at the Jacks in Loveland, the one in the middle of town. Is this sale going on throughout all the Jacks outdoor stores? Yes, it sure is. Yep. Through the first, through the fourth. So you got to get in there quick. <laughs> yeah, that's a tremendous sale. I'm looking at these prices. I mean, seven nine seven something for a three pack of flicker shads and and president reel for under seventy bucks. I mean, those are incredible buys. Um, another thing I want to bring up: you're at the store that's in the middle of Loveland. Um, yeah. and you're at the. You've got a new store that's as you go out to Loveland going west at where an old Kmart used to be, and that is <clears throat> that currently is your biggest store. But you're remodeling the store you're in, and eventually that's going to be your biggest store in the system, I understand. Yes, we're super excited. We are expanding over into what used to be Gold's Gym, and we're going to get some archery lanes. We're going to have lots of good stuff. We're going to have a bigger foot department, shoe department. So I am super excited. I can't wait for that to fully be ready. And I think... And I, and I think we're headed somewhere from, uh, for August. We were going to try to do a joint celebration, but we want to get the store ready. And I think that's a little behind where we want it to be. But we are, and I want to make sure we talk about this, at your store on July 16th, we are celebrating 25 years of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on the radio. We're going to broadcast live from your store from 9 to 11. Then I'm going to stay around from 11 to 1 and just meet and greet people. We're talking, I'll have more details next week, but we're talking. There's going to be a bunch of people set up in the parking lot. Um, we're hoping Parks and Wildlife and some other entities. I think you guys are trying to get some of the manufacturers to come in there. And But the biggest thing we want people to come for is 
Uh, Jax, I have a history with Jax as a long relationship. You probably don't know this, but back in the late 90s and early 2000s, when we were still selling tape copies of my television shows on VHS, believe it or not, Jax was the number one seller of uh, Mountain States Fishing tapes with Terry Wickstrom in the country. You guys used to sell them just couldn't hardly keep you in stock. And I'd come in and do seminars at your stores. So we have a long history going back this whole 25 year period. So to be partnered with Jax as we go into this uh, thing on the 16th, to me is it's really special. And what I really want is on the 16th of August, uh, I mean, uh, 16th of July, 716, when we're at your store from 9 to 1, I want people to come by and say, hey, we love the show. Come by and say there's something you don't like about the show. You want us to change? Come back and say, hey, we're a longtime listener. We consider you a friend because that's what I consider my listeners. It's just going to be a great time, and we're really looking forward to it. Okay, we got to run. Any last comments, Chelsea? Um, I don't think so. Just have a happy, safe 4th of July. And I can't wait to see you on the 16th. All right. We will see you then. That's Chelsea from the the Loveland store. And I'll tell you what, these sales they got going on, if you're looking to stock your tackle box, get by a Jack store right now because these deals are just unbelievable. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, Jeff Caldwell with Fishful Thinker is going to join us. And he's going to talk, uh, talk to us about bass fishing as they transition out of this uh, spawn into the post-spawn on Terry Wixom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, brought to us by Jack's Outdoor Gear. We're, we're waiting for a call from Jeff Caldwell. We're going to talk about some bass, but let me kind of get into it in case he got tied up. Um, Karen and I were out just this last Tuesday on Horse Tooth, and prior the bass had been shallow and kind of still setting up in the beds, maybe in a, and these are smallmouth, maybe in a, a still in a more a spawn stage or very shortly after the spawn. And surface lures would catch them shallow and you could catch them on the bottom on some other types of presentations, but they were kind of bunched up more still in the secondary and back ends of coves. Over that time, we went, uh, we went before that. Now, when we went out Tuesday, I would say there were very few, if any, bat left on the beds or in the spawn, in the spawn period of where they should be. And that's kind of, and it, and they, but they weren't on their summer habitat yet, or at least not concentrated on summer habitat. And that, that really made them spread out. And although we caught fish in almost every location, um, we didn't catch big numbers of fish or a lot of large fish. Uh, Karen was throwing mostly at Chapo, which is a surface bait that really riles the surface. We had just a little bit of a breeze. And I was throwing a gulp, not a gulp, but a power minnow on a small jig head and trying to fish uh, different parts of the water column and follow up behind her. Most of the bites came on the surface bait, even though we were later in the day. It probably would have been a better surface bite earlier in the morning. The biggest fish came on the small, the small plastic bait, but it wasn't a monster. Uh, so it was, it was, it was what I would call for the type of bass fishing we expect at horse tooth, a difficult day, although we had, you know, a dozen or more strikes or, and we weren't out a long time and it was the middle of the day. And Jeff and I were going to talk about how that transition is going slower at horse tooth. Usually by this time of the year, those fish are out more on main lake points and maybe 
main secondary points just inside of the coves, and we would approach them differently. And how important right now electronics are because we weren't finding any concentrations of fish on uh, in any location. And now if you had advanced electronics, at least you could pick out two or three fish and cast to those fish. And I wasn't doing much of that. We weren't even using side finder. We were just going to familiar spots, checking depths and making casts in the backs of coves and going out to the next break and fishing a, a small jig or something of that type. But it was it was a lot of work. I mean, for the two, three hours we actually fished, it was a lot of work. And But we caught a number of fish, but not like I would have expected this time of the year. And I'm hearing up and down the front range that that bass spawn uh, is ending now and there's a transition going a lot of places. It should pick up substantially here as the, um, they move into their, their summer haunts. Now, you know that... Uh, the walleyes, we've been talking to Nate about the walleyes and to Austin and Brad. And the walleyes have been, especially up and down the front range, have been very active. They, of course, spawned before the bass. They came out of that. And there hadn't been a shad hatch on most of our lakes yet because of the cooler water and some of the water levels dropping. So the walleyes, now they should start to slow down those walleyes. And, and okay, I guess we've got, we got do we have Jeff there now? Hello. Hello. I was just trying to fill in for you and pretend I knew something. <laughs> well, you, you really don't need, you got somebody that really doesn't know anything now, Terry. <laughs> well, that's good. So then I sound like the expert. I was just talking. There you go. About I was just talking about <clears throat> how we've all seen the bite kind of slow down at lakes like horse tooth because of this transition. And you were telling me that's what you're seeing too, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, we I had a uh, I had a guide trip there yesterday morning and um you know what though it's each day though they're getting a little bit more and more into that summer pattern so it's getting better. Actually, yesterday morning wasn't bad. I mean, it's been really tough, but uh just like you said, they're in that transition phase, man. It's just that time of year, you know. Now, it's a little later I think in year than normal. Usually it they get out of that, you know, about the middle of June, I think. But so where were you seeing now the most of the fish had moved out of the shallows and they were out by Maine and maybe big secondary points is that you were seeing? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, they're moving off onto those offshore humps and those main lake points, even the secondary points out deeper. And, uh, you know, they they've really made that move away from the shoreline. There's still some fish up there. It's interesting because we did have a, a great big one that was still up on the bank yesterday. So there's still, you know, there's always a few of them that will remain shallow through the year. But I think the majority of them now, Terry, are going into their summer haunts now. They're headed that way for sure. And, you know, and this is a major change just in the last three, four days, don't you think? Oh, for sure. I mean... You know, even just a couple of days ago, it was, I mean, fishing was tough. We had a tournament up there, a little team tournament up there in the evening, and fishing was extremely tough. It took six and a half pounds to win the tournament with five fish. I mean, the fishing wow. was just, it was absolutely, and that was with, you know, almost 20 boats and some guys that know what they're doing, you know, and it's, it's, fishing was not good at all, but even yesterday, was a huge improvement from that. I mean, the, there, it seems like there's more and more fish showing up out there, and I think they're finally 
kind of crawling out of that post-spawn doldrums deal and they're, they're back putting on the feed bag where they're starting to eat again, you know. So, I mean, fishing should continue to improve now, I would think. So how are you approaching these fish on those mid-lake humps and major points? Are you taking, obviously, it's a little different tactic than when they're shallow. What do you, how are you, what kind of presentations are you using? Well, you know, even though they're they're still, they're offshore, I mean, on those smallmouths, believe it or not, you can still get those jokers to come up and blow up on a topwater. Even though they may be in 20 feet of water, they mean some of those fish could be suspended and only be you know, maybe eight to 10 feet down, they'll come up and blow up on that top water. So you can still throw a top water out there, but most of the time we're finesse fishing. We're drop shotting. Um, you know, we're looking at those fish a lot of times on a live scope or whatever out in front of the boat. And you're actually targeting individual fish or little groups of fish that you see, and you're pitching that drop shot out to them. So a real finesse type of approach, either a drop shot or a tube, um, or a Ned, Ned rig, you know, obviously something like that. Um, something that's more finesse, um, seems to be a little bit better. They're not, they're still not in a great mood. I mean, the fish are still kind of mad. It seems like so yeah. those smaller baits are better, you know? Are you having to find them on your electronics before you fish? I mean, is it almost critical that you use some advanced electronics to find them so you don't waste a lot of time? Oh, absolutely. I mean, honestly, as crazy as this sounds, but a lot of times out there, I'm not even making a cast until I see a fish, which, you know, kind of, I think you and I have talked about this in the past where a lot of times, you know, we kind of do forget about fishing and I got to be careful because a lot of times with these, you know, with these advanced electronics and, and live scope and stuff, you can sure put yourself down a rabbit hole in a hurry, you know, because then you just find yourself running around out there not not even fishing until you actually see fish. And a lot of times, you know, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll even find myself sometimes just going, you know, Jeff, make a cast, you know, fish. <laughs> you don't have yeah. to see one just because you don't see one doesn't mean there isn't one on the bottom there, you know. But, but yeah, it, well, it, it is very critical, I think. Well, you know, what we used to happen a lot was that um, we we used to have to, we, the electronics weren't very good at seeing unless we were right on top of them. And before that, they weren't even good at that. And you had to yeah. fish to find the fish. And now I think, uh, and if you, if they were in a finesse mode, like using a drop shot or even a small jig or something, it's hard to cover water. So you spend a lot of time fishing where there may not be fish. Uh, of course, everybody can't afford the electronics, but they sure make a difference. Uh, if you, didn't have the advanced electronics, would you try a more active presentation maybe to cover the water a little quicker till you find them? I probably would, you know, and and a way that you can do that sometimes, it's really funny. A lot of times when people, for instance, if they're going to throw a tube jig or something, a lot of times they'll throw that tube out there. And, you know, crawdads aren't, I always say crawdads aren't track stars. So a lot of times they're just crawling on the bottom very slowly. So it's a real slow drag. However, there is a way that you can fish a tube. It's called cracking the tube or, or stroking it, but you can throw that thing out there with a pretty heavy head, like a five sixteenth ounce head. Let that thing hit the bottom, and I mean literally crack that thing about a foot, in the, you know, crack your rod about a foot, and that'll make that tube jig jump about six inches off the bottom, and sometimes it'll create a reaction strike, even though it's a finesse bait. So that and then works because, a lot of times. And then because... 
And then because it's a heavier head, you're able to move it along faster. You don't have to wait as long for it to settle. And those tubes kind of spiral down, but they do it fairly quickly. So that gives you a chance to cover the water. You know, one other thing we got, and I'm gonna, I know I want to talk to you about a couple other quick fishing tips. Um, a lot of people are going to want to go fish from shore this weekend. We didn't talk about that. Mm-hmm. Any place you might recommend mm-hmm. somebody could go from shore and maybe have a good time with their family out fishing? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I, I went up the other day, and, and not even bass fishing-wise, but uh, I went up the other day to try and scout elk, and, and I have a Unit 19 tag, so I went up to Cameron Pass, and the grayling have started to push to the edge of the creek there to spawn. And so our elk scouting trip kind of turned into a fishing trip. So we caught a bunch of grayling, which was a lot of fun. Uh, so that would be one thing. And then um, as well as, you know, honestly, Terry, just a lot of these local ponds, these ponds, now that the pond, you know, the pond fish have been done spawning. A lot of those largemouths have been done spawning for a long time. So a lot of these public state wildlife area ponds, you know, around the Fort Collins area and Windsor area and stuff, um, the fishing can be pretty good there right now this time of year. So if you just wanted to get out and even take the kids and try and catch some bluegills and stuff like that, a lot of that fishing in those ponds can be really good. And that's what I would suggest. And I have a couple of videos about taking kids fishing for pan fishing on my YouTube channel, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. Well, we're going to let things yeah. go. If people want to book a guide trip with you, how do they do that? Yeah, they can just literally get on the website uh, with Chad LaChance with Fishful Thinker. They can get on the website and contact him through that website, and um, you can book a trip and tell me you want to fish with me, tell me you want to fish with Jeff. So, uh, yeah, they can definitely do that. They can get on there and do that. And we're also guiding. I'm doing some guiding as well down at Boyd through uh, through Brad Peterson, through Brad Peterson Outdoors. So they can do the same on there. So uh, we're, we're guiding on Horsetooth and on Boyd with two different two different. Uh, company so yeah if you're interested in doing it we've got some openings right now if you want to try and get out and i had great time yesterday with these guys they uh brand new you know got a lot of accomplished they learned some new techniques with drop shotting and finesse fishing as well as they got to fish on horse suits for the first time they've never been on that lake before had a really good time and actually caught a bunch of fish so all right my friend we have to run but thank you so much for joining us thank you terry appreciate it we'll talk to you later all right You bet. Jeff Caldwell. We're going to take a quick time out. We come back. We'll wrap up this week's edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I love those guitar licks out of the Wickstrom and Dobrith EP. That's uh, one of my favorite guitar pieces out of all our music. Hey, we're going to wrap things up here. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. A couple things I want to touch base on. One is everybody have a great 4th of July weekend. And remember, I started the show by saying that we have some polarizing politics going on. But remember, um, the reason we can have these debates about the different views we have in politics is because we live in a country that doesn't suppress those views and everybody is allowed to come to the conversation and remember the freedoms and the people who have died keeping us free and enjoy this and have a great holiday. Excuse me. Also, uh, we've got some rain, but it's still dry out there. In fact, Larimer County where I live has fire restrictions. You're not even allowed to have a campfire. If you're going to be outdoors, fireworks, smoking, campfires, 
understand where you're at if there's restrictions and even if there's not just be so extremely careful because we've been avoided a major major camp uh live wildfire so far this year and let's try to keep it that way hopefully we'll get more monsoon rain we'll get enough fire suppressing moisture that it won't uh, won't be a problem now the 16th of july we're going to be celebrating 25 years of terry wickstrom outdoors on the radio and i'll have all i'll have more details next week and then we'll put on our social media also but we're going to be at the jack's outdoor gear in fort collins not the one that used to be the camp oh i said fort collins again i did that twice jack's outdoor gear in loveland good thing karen's here to keep me in line in loveland not the one as you're going out of town but the one in the center of town then we'll put the address out on our facebook page and everything and we're going to try to have a lot of people there like parks we're going to try to have a lot of the partners from the show there we're going to try to have some outdoor gear manufacturers there jack's is going to have a big deal we're going to try to do a lot of things but the important thing to me is that 25 years of people following me on this radio show, we really want you to come by and say hi. Now, we meet some of you at sports shows and things occasionally, but we just really want you to come say, hey, we love the show. You feel like you're our friend. Or come and say, hey, you know, you're not that great. And Could you get other pro? We want to hear. Because we, if we're not making you happy, we want to make it better because we plan on going. Well, I don't think we'll go for another 25 years. I don't think I'd live that long. But we want to go for some more time. Now, is Dan Jacobs in the studio? I'm here. Now, I want to know, I think you may have been with the fan. You may have started about the same time I started my show or shortly afterward or shortly before. When did you start at the fan? Well, I'm just barely 25 years old, Terry. So I just can barely remember when you started, man. I'm only 35 and this is my 25th year, so. Yeah, but congratulations, no, 25 years, that's a big landmark, man. Congratulations, that's awesome. And, but seriously, you started that, the fan, in the 90s. Well, yeah, 1996, I was here actually for the uh, inaugural cup run. Uh, I was actually with your daughter, Tracy, at Rangeview High School. Yep, I remember that. So you've been associated with this show for a long time too so we expect you to do your show at least come up after your show and say hi at Loveland but anyway um you know usually Dan this time you and I we have some sports moment of interest or disagreement or agreement that we want to discuss but I think we should we should forego that now for the until you start your show and let's just bask in the Stanley Cup victory and quit picking it apart. I know they got a lot of things they got to face, but for today, I just want to in this weekend, I just want to enjoy it. Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, what a special time in the city. So it's cool, man. I mean, yeah, it's been twenty five or well twenty one years since that happened, but yeah, I mean, really cool. Yeah, it really is. What um, the one thing we should probably cover though is Wickstrom and Dobeth are going to have a new single released here in just a matter of weeks. Well, does it relate to the Dan Jacobs show or no? You're just you're going to cut a new song. We're just going to, this is just cheap self-promotion. Yeah, like Irv Brown used to say, yeah, shameless self-promotion. Yeah, it's just gratuitous. I mean, although we did, you know, do some of our best work on the theme song for Dan Jacobs. Yes, it was fantastic. We, we run it every uh, every weekend. 
All right. So give us a quick preview, though. What are you going to cover in your show? Well, we have a legend, a uh, legend in his own mind, at least, uh, but a living legend in studio right now. Zach Bai is going to join us, and then we have uh, James Merrillat and Will Peterson. We are going to take a look back in the, at the week that was, a just an incredible week in Colorado sports history. So, yeah, we're, we're going to have a rocking show, Terry. All right. I will let you go. I'll close this down so you can get started. Thanks. You bet. That's Dan Jacobs. We Usually I try to challenge him on some sports aspect because I love to get him going because you know how he can be. He's always, he's right though. I've known him since he was in high school. He went to high school with my daughter. They were on a bowling team I coached that won a state championship. We're going to wrap things up. Thanks for listening. We're on every Saturday from 9 to 11. Occasionally we get bumped over to ESPN at 10 o'clock, but almost every Saturday, 9 to 11. Follow us on Facebook for more information about what's on the show and what's coming up with the Terry Wickstrom Outdoors 25th year celebration. Well, so Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook, follow that. We will keep you posted on that. I am really looking forward to meeting in person and seeing so many of you that have listened over the years. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and Dan Jacobson Sports. Welcome to this.